Okay, so we're continuing chapter 11, specifics about the virtue of cleanliness, and we are up to page 73. The evil inclination continuously inflames the heart and constantly seeks to keep alive at least some trace or recollection of what has happened. So we're still continuing that previous conversation about taking revenge, right, and, and bearing a grudge. And what we're saying is, you know, many people are able to get over it and to say they're not going to actually say anything to the person, and they certainly won't they won't not lend their neighbor something just because he did not lend them something previously. But there's other ways that the evil inclination insidiously gets us to do things. If it is not successful in leaving a strong impression, then it may attempt to leave a weak one. For example, it may say to someone, if you want to give this person what he wouldn't give you when you were in need, at least don't give it graciously. Or if you don't want to harm him, at least don't be so kind to him and don't help him in a major way. Right? So there's, there's a real effort to, to get past it completely and to com be completely done with any sort of feelings. That's very difficult. But most people are able to get to a point in which they could say, overtly, we're not going to do things that are, you know, in, in a low way, in a coarse way to, to respond to unkindness, unkindness. But we don't have to be quite as nice as we used to be. And that's pretty reasonable, right? That's the evil inclination speaking. Or even if you want to be of great assistance to him, at least don't do it in his presence or don't become his friend again, or if you have forgiven him, it is enough that you don't show him any enmity. But if you also want to be his friend, don't show him as much warmth as you formerly did. All such suggestions are expressions of diligence on the part of the evil inclination, which tries to entice the hearts of people. Therefore, incredibly important moment right here. The Torah enunciated a principle which is all inclusive. You shall love your fellow man as yourself. Why does the Torah tell us as yourself? As yourself means without any distinction. And as yourself means without here splitting differentiations, without ruses or devices, literally as yourself. So what the Torah is telling us is it's not enough to say, you know, I, he did something wrong to me. I forgave him to the point that I'll lend him my shovel, even though he didn't lend me the ax yesterday. But to actually be willing to, to do, want for him the same thing that I want for myself, that's already a tall order. But the Torah tells us explicitly, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we know, as Rabbi Kiva said, that this is a klal gadol Torah, right? This is the great principle of the Torah, is to love your neighbor as yourself. With regard to oaths, generally speaking, he who is not a layman is careful not to utter the name of heaven in vain. Layman is probably... Uh, I guess layman. It, it's not layman as opposed to a rabbi. It's layman in terms of someone who is not striving to make themselves into a, a better person in a very deep way. Is careful not to utter the name of heaven in vain, and particularly when this involves an oath, because right? that's you know a prohibition. Yet there are some minor offshoots of laws pertaining to oaths, which although not involving prohibitions of greater stringency, should nonetheless be meticulously observed by one who desires to be cleansed. What are we referring to here? This is what our sages have said in, in, in the Talmud. Rabbi Elazar said, no is an oath and yes is an oath. So what does this mean? This means that if you say you're going to do something, you kind of are taking an oath, which is why you'll often hear a, a religious Jew will say a, a little addendum after they agree to or commit to doing something. They will say, right? without an oath. I'm not making a promise over here. Because if they commit to doing something, and even it could be a small thing, but if someone says, will you be able to give me a ride tomorrow to uh, Trader Joe's? And the person is fully intending to do so. And they say yes. But the truth of the matter is, it's probably better to say yes, please, neither, without an oath. Because you never know what's going to happen. 
So you want to make it clear that you are committing conditionally. Because if you commit it unconditionally, which is the implication of saying yes without any sort of a qualifier, then if you don't carry out your word, on, to some extent, you are a, a person who is swearing falsely. So it's not literally swearing falsely, right? To swear falsely would be to actually take an oath. Take an oath using Hashem's name that you're going to do X, that you're going to do Y. That you're not doing that here. You're not swearing. But you are committing to do something. And what you commit to do, you should carry out. Rava said, this is only the case if he said no, no, repeating the word twice, and yes, yes, repeating the word twice. In other words, if the commitment is so significant that the person actually repeated himself twice in the yes or repeated himself twice in the no, then that's more significant. And then for someone to not carry out his word is going to be a, a violation on some level of the, of the uh, law about not taking an oath uh, in vain. They also said, and an accurate liquid measure, the word in Hebrew is vehin tzedek, means that your no, lav, should be accurate, and your yes, hain, should be accurate. So the word for, um, for saying yes in, in uh, Aramaic is hain, right? Hain nun. The word for, um, for measure in Hebrew, in, and the, the Torah's word for this, biblical Hebrew, is hain nun also, right? But it's actually hin, and in Aramaic, saying yes is hain. So the way the sages understand that is when the Torah tells us that you have to have a hin tzedek, that if you are a merchant, right, and you're going to be selling things using a liquid measure, selling things using a dry measure, you have to ensure that that liquid measure, that dry measure is fully accurate and calibrated perfectly. And if you don't, you're stealing. But what the sages understand from there is that the word that the Torah uses of hin tzedek is also a hint to the idea that if you say you're going to do something, you better carry out your word. The importance of being a man of your word is something that, that is the Gemara discusses in many, many places, the importance of doing whatever you say you're going to do, you better do so. Now he gets to the next sin that he wants to talk about, and that is lying. Lying is also a harmful sickness that is widespread among people. It consists of various levels. There are people who are experts at lying. These are the ones who continuously create total fabrications to promote conversation among people or to be considered wise and well-informed right? I think we probably all know some people like that, perhaps in the media, perhaps uh, politicians. Referring to them, it has been said, lips that lie are the abomination of the eternal. And that's how important it is not to lie. That's in Proverbs. And it also says in Isaiah, your lips uttered lies, your tongues give voice to injustice. Our sages of blessed memory have already decreed their fate in the Talmud, and Talmud tells us there are four classes of people who are not received in the presence of the Shekhinah. And so if the Shekhinah would be here in, in, a, in a revealed presence in, you know, in, in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, there are four classes of people who Hashem wouldn't be found in their presence. And what is that? The class of liars. Because right? people who lie, are the, the seal of Hashem is MS. Right? We say the seal of Hashem is truth. Right? One of the the attribute of, of Hashem is, is truthfulness, right? And faith, faithfulness and truthfulness go hand in hand. Now, for someone who lies, that's, that's completely connected. That is completely uh, opposite of what the characteristics of Hashem are. And therefore, it's incredibly severe, the punishment for that. So that's class number one. People who are great liars and they're constantly making up things that are complete fabrications. There are others who resemble them, though they, though they are not exactly like them. These are people who distort things in their stories and accounts. And this is something which I think probably, I mean, I can speak for myself, but you know, sometimes, yeah, you do say something over and you say it over a little bit differently than it really happened, perhaps to get a little bit more of an emphasis in the story. It happened exactly like that. And I, the, the, the gist of the story is exactly true. 
But did you emphasize a little bit of a different point that may or may not happen exactly like that? Maybe you're not even sure yourself anymore, but you're saying it, you're taking that side, the more dramatic side, because it's more fun, right? I think this is something that we all probably do sometimes, or maybe I shouldn't speak for other people. They are not, however, devoted craftsmen who fabricate stories and events that never occur. Rather, rather, when they relate something, they intersperse it with lies as it suits them, and they become habituated to this until it is second nature to them. These are the liars whose words can never be believed. As our sages of blessed memory have said, this is the fate of a liar. Even when he tells the truth, no one listens to him. He'll become the boy who cried wolf. They have already internalized this evil to such a degree that their words cannot emerge from their mouths free of distortion. This is what the prophet grieves over when he says they have accustomed their tongues to utter lies. They have exhausted themselves with wrongdoing. I take it back. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> We're not talking about people who are continuously, you know, changing the story. We're talking about people that, that I think probably, hopefully none of us are at that level. The next level, let's see what the next level is. There are still others whose malady is milder than that of the former. These are the ones who are not as entrenched in lying, but are also not concerned about keeping their distance from it. If the opportunity arises, they will lie. They often they will lie in a joking manner or the like without any ill intent. Nevertheless, the wisest of all men has instructed us that all of this is contrary to the will of the creator, blessed be he, and to the virtue found among his pious. This is what is written, the righteous hate false words. Um, so I just want to share a quick story that just came to mind, a famous story with uh, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky was a, a Jew from Russia originally, been born in the late 1800s. He came to America, he actually came to, um, to Seattle, and then he went to uh, Toronto. He was a rabbi and, and, uh, and a head of a school in Toronto. And then he came to New York for the last maybe 40 years or so of his life. And the story goes like this. There was a, a fellow, a rabbi in Lakewood, New Jersey, and his name is Rabbi Shlomo Gissinger. He was actually passed away earlier this year. And he was a very close student of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. And one Cholomoid, one of the intermediate days of Pesach, he went to visit Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky with his first son. And he wanted to show up how his son is a little baby, and he wanted to like, show how his son just learned how to walk. So he put his son down on the floor in front of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, right? And he stood about three feet away from his son and held out his hands to his son and said, come, come, walk towards me. And his son started walking towards him and he took another two steps back so that his son would walk more steps. And Yaakov Kamenetsky immediately stopped him and said very sternly, don't you ever do something like that again? Because what you're doing is you're teaching your son to lie. You're teaching your son that initially you told him, walk three steps to me. And now you just change the game. You change the goalposts on him. That's forbidden, right? This is the way that a Lithuanian Jew would look at the, the truth, that there is in no way ever do you ever lie, in no way at all. And it's a very small lie. It's for the sake of the kid. It's to help the kid become better at walking. No, you don't do that. You're teaching them that to be that things could be dishonest. And that's, that's how far away you have to get from the idea of, of being dishonest. Okay, take care, everyone. Be well.